Our learning objective is to describe the various measures of risk and compute the variance and standard deviation for a set of ex post returns. Before we do that, let's consider the basic question, why is risk or measures of risk important? And the answer is because it's the driver for expected return. One of the most basic theories in, in, in the investment literature is that there is a linear relationship between expected return and risk. And so when you take on more risk, you have a right, or you would do that only if you expect higher expected rates of return. And so being able to quantify the amount of risk that you're taking on becomes a very important concept. There are lots of different measures of risk that uh, have been and can be used. The simplest is range. What's the highest possible rate of return and what's the lowest possible rate of return? I love the simplicity, but it can be very deceiving and as a practical matter, it's, it, 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 it's relatively useless. A concept that makes an incredible amount of intuitive sense is what we call semivariance. The equation for semivariance says that it's the sum of the probability of each rate of return times the square of the minimum value of each return minus the expected return or zero. And I know that sounds like a lot of gobbledygook, but let me, let me first say that on, in an examination situation, you would never be asked to compute the semivariance. So you don't have to really worry about the formula. But uh, we think about the formula because then it becomes, I, I hope, a little easier to understand the concept. And the concept of semivariance is that we don't really worry about earning rates of return more than the expected rate of return. Let me put it to you this way. If I have an investment where I'm expecting a 10% rate of return, I don't really lie awake at night worrying that I might actually earn 15 or 20% rate of return on that investment. I lie awake at night worrying that I might lose, uh, earn 5% or lose 5 or 10%. So when we think about risk, the point here is risk to most of us means earning less than what you expect to earn, not the risk that you might earn more than you expect to return. So that makes semivariance an extremely intuitively appealing measure of risk exposure. The only problem with semivariance is that, first of all, it's, a, it's an ex-ante measure, and secondly, that uh, it's not very mathematically tractable, which means that as we look at additional models to help us understand uh, the concept of investments, it doesn't really work effectively. So wonderful intuitive concept, not very practical. The standard deviation is our most common measure of risk and we're going to look at that in more detail in just a second. Sometimes we, we 
measure risk through the coefficient of variation. And the coefficient of variation is uh, defined as the standard deviation divided by the expected return. The symbol for standard deviation is a, a, a Greek letter that looks like a letter O with a little hat on top of it. When we use a summation symbol in our equation, that looks like uh, the capital letter E. Now, the summation symbol is referred to as sigma, and the symbol for standard deviation is also referred to as sigma. So you might wonder, how can you use the term sigma for two completely different looking Greek letters? Well, the reason that you can do that is because several thousand years ago, the Greeks had uh, developed an incredible concept, and that is, why not have a set of capital letters that might be slightly different than the lowercase letters? So when you see the symbol that looks like a, a capital E, a funny-looking capital E, and it's referred to as sigma, that's actually capital sigma. And when you see the little O with a hat on it referred to as sigma, that's the lowercase sigma. The good news is that the application of these two sigmas is so different that the context always makes clear whether you would be dealing with the capital sigma or the lowercase. The last measure of risk that we, we frequently use is known as the beta coefficient. So let's look at uh, the standard deviation and the beta coefficient in more, more detail. Again, the standard deviation is a measure of the degree of dispersion of the distribution. The, to compute the standard deviation, you first have to compute what is known as the variance and take the square root. So we usually say the standard deviation is the square root of the variance. Now, before we look at the details of how you compute the standard deviation, let me give you a sense of, of what it's measuring. If you think of security returns as being from a normal distribution, so here we have a graph and we're going to have a normal distribution of security returns you will immediately notice that this is what we call the bell-shaped curve. I have found over the years that everybody has an intuitive concept of a bell-shaped normal distribution. And if the bell is completely symmetrical, as we usually think of it, then the peak will also represent our expected return. The peak of the normal distribution uh, represents our expected return. The width of this bell, you can think of it as the width, is what we are measuring with our standard deviation. So in its a sense, it's a measure of how wide that bell is. With a, a standard, normal, symmetrical distribution, it turns out that there are several characteristics that will always be true.
And the first is that two out of three times, two-thirds of the time, the actual return you get will be within one standard deviation of the expected return. So if you take the expected return and add one standard deviation, and the expected return and subtract one standard deviation, you get an interval which over which two-thirds of the time you would expect your actual return to be in that, in that interval. We can flip this around and say, however, one-third of the time you would expect a return that would be outside of that interval. And so, uh, in this case, not only is um, one-third of the time you're outside of the interval, but, but keep in mind, because it's symmetrical, that means that half of one-third, which is one-sixth of the time, you would expect an actual return greater than uh, uh, this, this, this range, the expected return plus one standard deviation, and one-half of one-third or one-sixth of the time, you would expect an actual return to be uh, below one standard deviation below the expected return. The second rule uh, that uh, you, you can, can apply to uh, standard deviations is that 19 out of 20 times, that is 95% of the time, the actual return will be within two standard deviations of the expected return. So if you take the expected return and add two standard deviations to the upside and subtract two standard deviations on the downside, you end up with an interval where you can say 95% of the time the actual return will be within this interval. Again, we can flip this around and say that it also means that 5% of the time you would expect a return that will be outside that interval. And because it's symmetrical, we can say that half of 5% or 2 and 1 half percent of the time, you would expect a return more than two standard deviations above the expected return, and 2 and 1 half percent of the time, you would expect a return more than two standard deviations below the expected return. Finally, well-diversified portfolios that have a large number of stocks, you can think of as having rates of return that approximate a normal distribution. Okay, so let's, let's consider a quick example here. If the expected rate of return is 10% and the standard deviation is 5%, what is the probability of losing money? Well, the solution is that First, we have to think about what does it mean to say losing money? I think most of us would agree that losing money means earning a rate of return less than 0%. In this problem, it turns out that 0% is exactly two standard deviations below the mean. Remember, we said the expected return is 10%, the standard deviation is 5%, so 10 divided by 5 is 2. So the question now becomes, 
what's the probability of a rate of return more than two standard deviations below the mean. So we return to the idea that 95% of the time your actual return will be within two standard deviations, 5% of the time you're more than two standard deviations away, but because it's symmetrical, that's split, and so in this case, the probability of losing money is 2.5%. Now that you have a, sort of a concept of, of what standard deviation is and, and, and a way in which, a descriptive way in which we might use it, let's turn to how you actually compute the standard deviation. As I said before, you have to start with computing the variance. And to compute the variance, you have to start by computing the arithmetic mean return. So the first step is to compute the arithmetic mean return, which again, you just add up all your rates of return and you divide by the number of observations. Then to compute the variance, you take the difference between each return and your arithmetic mean, you square those differences, you add up all those squared terms, and you divide by n minus 1. Why is it n minus 1 and not n? Well, there's not a simple answer to that, that question. You have to take a statistics course to, to get into the mathematics behind it. But the basic ration, uh, reason for this is that what we are doing is we are using sample data. Uh, we are looking at sample data to do this calculation. So when you have historical rates of return, you think of that as a sample of all the rates of return that can be generated by a particular asset. And so we're using a sample, not the entire population, and that creates what's known as a sample bias, and the easiest way to correct for that bias is to divide by n minus 1 rather than n. So that gives us a variance, and then you take the square root of the variance and you get the standard deviation. The good news is that if you have your handy financial calculator, you actually don't need to know this formula. It is on the formula sheets that you get on exams, or that you get on the course exam, that you get with the CFP exam, but you don't really have to work with this formula directly. Okay, let's see how you actually go about computing a standard deviation. Let's say that in the last three years, the returns on a stock have been plus 20%, plus 10%, and minus 10%. And so the question is, what is the mean return and the standard deviation? Well, with a financial calculator, what you need to know then are the keystrokes, not the formula. So the keystrokes would be, you start by going or hitting shift, clear all. You know, again, that's good basic practice, clears anything out of memory. Now you enter the first number, which is 20. Then you hit the key that has the capital sigma plus. Remember, capital sigma looks like a funny giant letter E, and it's followed by the plus sign, and it's in white letters. So you hit the capital sigma plus, and if you look on your screen real quick, you will see the number one. And what the calculator is telling you is that is your first piece of data. Then we enter 10, 
and the sigma plus key again, and you'll see the number 2. So it's saying I have two pieces of data. Now we're ready to enter the minus 10%, and so you have to hit 10, and then change the sign. So you hit the plus minus key, which is immediately above the purple key on the calculator, and you will see minus 10 in the window. Then you hit the sigma plus, and you'll see the number 3. So you now have three pieces of data in there. We're now ready to compute our answers. And to get the mean return, that's the arithmetic mean return, you hit the shift key again, and then the look for the key that has the in gold letters X bar, Y bar. These are under the number 7. So you can think of it as hitting the 7 key, but you're really hitting the X bar, Y bar. And that will give you the mean. And then uh, you hit the shift key again, and you, uh, now you hit the key that has in gold letters SXSY, and that will be under the 8 key. So you can think of it as hitting 8, but you're really hitting SXSY. You'll notice under the 9 key uh, in gold letters is sigma x, sigma y. So you might think, well, if I'm computing standard deviation, why wouldn't I hit the sigma key instead of the s key? Well, the reason is that as, as calculators are programmed, the 9 key with the sigma x, sigma y is for computing the standard deviation when you have the entire population. And remember, normally you're not given the entire population. What you are given is sample. So the 8 key has the formula for the sample standard deviation. And that is almost always the key that you would want to use. We're now ready to look at some practice problems. And so uh, our first practice problem is if an asset has an expected return of 8%, and a standard deviation of 5%, what is the probability of earning more than a 13% rate of return? Well, in this case, it turns out that 13% is exactly one standard deviation above our expected return. And the rule was two-thirds of the time you're within, your return will be within one standard deviation, one-third of the time you're more, and it's symmetrical. So in this case, it would be 33% probability of earning more than, than um, uh, uh, getting a rate of return more than one standard deviation away, and the probability of earning on the plus side, so a rate of return greater than 13%, would be half of the 33, so it would be approximately 16.5%. Uh, the second question is, what is the standard deviation and variance for an asset that earned 15%, minus 8%, and 20% over three years? Our keystrokes would be as follows. First, you hit the shift, clear all. Again, good calculator habits. Now we're ready to enter our data. So you enter 15, and then the capital sigma plus key. 
Then you enter 8. You change the sign, plus minus, and then the sigma plus key. And then you enter 20 and the sigma plus key. And so by the time you enter 20 along with the sigma plus key, uh, you should see the number 3. And so you are ready to do the calculation. To get the standard deviation, all you have to do is hit the shift key followed by the S, X, S, Y key, which is under the number 8. To compute the variance, uh, well, when you hit the S, X, S, Y key, uh, you will get the answer, which in this case is 14.93. So with 14.93 in the window, the display window, you can now easily compute the variance. And remember, if the standard deviation is the square root of the variance, then the variance is the square of the standard deviation. And so the easiest way to do that is to hit Shift, followed by the X squared key, which is in the lower right-hand corner of your calculator. And when you do that, you will get the number 223.00, and that is the variance.